This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's that time again. For the Back of the Nest Palace preview podcast where the Eagles are going to make their short trip across to East London to play the West Ham Jelly Deals. Enjoy the show. Hey up everyone, Nick Gillard here. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. It's just me and Christopher Clark as Patrick is in transit as far as I know. Uh, on his way over, uh, looking forward to meeting up with him on Sunday for the game against West Ham. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hi, Nick. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks very much. And yeah, on that subject, thanks for the people that got in touch with me uh, to wish me well. Um, had a brachiotherapy uh, procedure, which is basically putting radioactive uh, seeds into my prostate gland to kill off any cancer cells in there. Luckily, uh, it was caught very, very early, so there isn't a lot there. Um, but as Chris said on the show last week, um, if you're of a certain vintage, always worth getting checked out um, because the earlier you catch it, the more chance you've got of defeating it. But I'm not going to dwell on me. I'm going to talk to Chris um, about Luton. Um, I know he probably doesn't want to. Um, the Palace fan, fan sounded a good, vo- good voice uh, from what I heard over my uh, very legal stream that I watched. Um, however, the match didn't go as planned. Um, most Palace fans I know were predicting a win. It didn't go that way. Um, how was it in the ground, Chris? Well, let's start with the atmosphere, um, which in the first half was extremely positive and very loud. I was stood quite near um, the considerable ultras area um, and they they were, as you say, in fine voice. Uh, Good to see some of the lads there. Um, the, The atmosphere did decline in the second half and I think partly that was driven by the performance, partly it was driven by the fact that we were playing a team who had that same kind of and a club who had that same kind of spirit that we had just after promotion of you know it doesn't matter if we're losing we can still win this um they clearly had spirit and that made things difficult for us especially with as injuries dug in going behind wasn't um a great start um and then for for as the injuries and the seriousness of the injuries became apparent um the atmosphere flattened and by the end there were some people who were very um understandably very fed up and there's there's differences of opinion about um the roots of this malaise the seriousness of this malaise um but there's clearly a lot there was a lot of anger among the traveling fans and even I who am a, an upbeat soul was quite crushed and depressed on my uh journey on Thameslink back to Croydon so, I mean, there, there was a discussion Chris and Cara had. If you haven't heard the match review pod, it's well worth a listen just for Chris's story about um, Chris Hamming, that is about um, finding a lost soul in the woods. 
um, with his rescue dog. That was quite an amusing story. But, uh, but also, Cara's opinion on where we are as a club at the moment. Um, and the whole thing was meant, Chris was talking about days out and actually the football being secondary to a day out. How are you taking it? Are you, are you more interested in the football or, or the banter or are they equally as important for you, Chris? I've become um, quite drained in my enthusiasm about what we actually see on the pitch um, from match to match. I'm there for the match day experience and for away games. Often I'm there to see the place. Um, Luton, I've not been to Luton since 2005. I think I mentioned that on the on the preview show last week. Um, but I, I mentioned, I, I gave some predict, uh, some recommendations of pubs. I did, or a, a recommended pub. I did make it to that pub. Um, the only pe- people who seemed to be challenged on are you home, are you away fans were the people who were very obviously talking about Palace as they were waiting to get served. Um, we arrived before the advertised opening time, took seats um, and actually had a good chat with some home fans um, and wished them well at the end, plugged the podcast a little bit. Um, it, was, it was good. But yeah, no, I mean, answering your question, it's it's as much a day out as it is about the football and it's about seeing your mates. Um, for me at the moment, it's, it's much more that is the ritual than it is about what we see on the pitch. Yeah, and uh, I, I see that you're not going to West Ham at the weekend. It's uh, it's um, if you can get away quickly, it's not too bad for me because I can just jump on DLR and get to Woolwich, and then it's a bus home. Um, it's a lot easier for me than for most West Ham fans who all seem to live in deepest Essex. But this malaise we're talking about, how we're setting up, Luton didn't seem that bothered in trying to win the ball back in Aha, which kind of foxed us a little bit. I mean, the first couple of minutes, we had a couple of chances and I thought, oh, we're going to be all over them. But it didn't seem to happen like that. What's what's missing? Is it the way we're set up? Is it players not taking responsibility to take the game by the scruff of the neck? Or was it just a case that the injuries kind of set us back a little bit and upset our own flow. What do you think, Chris? I think mostly the last one. Um, the injuries disrupted the plan. And, you know, we all know that Hodgson's about a plan um, and drilling the team to organise around what he's been planning for the week. So losing key players in in the way we did as well, with, you know, at least one of them being a very upsetting long-term injury, um, that's, you know, that's inevitably going to turn people's heads and upset them. Uh, the depth of the bench is is an issue. We all, we all know that. Um, you know, once Plan A is gone, we don't have a lot of options. Earlier in the season, um, Jefferson Lerma looked a beast. Well, you know, moving through, um, particularly the Sheffield United um, game on the first match of the season, you know, he cut through them um, like a knife through butter. But um, I didn't feel that that was so much the case with this game, and yeah, we we, we lack. We lack options. I mean, there, there are people calling for um, youth players to be given a chance, and I totally understand and respect that. I'm not sure it's necessarily the solution. I definitely don't think it's a likely um, outcome, even of this difficult situation. But um, it felt like we had a plan. We weren't ready to divert from the plan. And when we had to, um, you know, the the other options weren't of sufficient quality in this case. I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the tactical combinations. It just wasn't planned for in terms of that contingency for me. And what was the reaction to Elise's goal? Uh, I was leaping around my lounge. I just couldn't believe how unbelievable it was. And, of course, Garnacho scored an even more unbelievable goal the day after. So the goal of the season lasted all of a day. (laughs) Um, But I was going to allude to the Man United game because their man of the match was making his debut and he's very young. I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, Copy Minu. Um, so is he better than a Palace youth player coming through? I know we've got that guy playing for the under 18s or under 21s who's got six hat tricks, five hat tricks, 17 goals this season. What's, what's to stop us putting them through other than the fact we know that Roy doesn't like Ute? Well, it's a gamble, isn't it? Um, 
on the other, I mean, and I would also point out we we haven't had a striker who's scored uh, the proportion of goals that Edwards managed uh, in all our time in the Premier League. So you know, if if he were to keep his batting average where it is at the moment, then we'd be looking at a nearly twenty goal a season striker. So it's it's worth factoring that in. Um, but it is quite a small sample size. I accept that. Uh, is it that these players are better? Not necessarily. Um, is it that the manager is the managers of the other clubs are more willing to take a gamble on youth? Um, quite possibly. It, it's hard. It's impossible for us to know, isn't it, or to answer that? Um, I mean, I, I think we have to address the elephant in the room, which is that a lot of people are are now calling for Hodgson's head. I don't think that's um, where the club will be at this stage. But if we, there have been rumours this week about um, Roy leaving sooner than expected and Paddy McCarthy stepping into the hot seat. Um, and we'd then get a chance to see, wouldn't we, whether um, any any other manager, I mean, if there is a change, we'll get a chance to see whether any other manager makes different decisions. Um, I'm not convinced they would, to be honest, but you know, it remains to be seen. And we can, we'll only know if it happens. I disagree a little bit there if it is McCarthy that comes in as manager. Um, the, the tricky question there is, is McCarthy going to continue in the same vein as Roy in the way he sets up? Or will we see a McCarthy that sets up in the Vieira style where we were playing fluid? Well, we weren't at the end of Vieira, obviously, but we you know with that run of difficult games, I don't want to go over the old ground of Vieira. But... Um, McCarthy had a brilliant, brilliant time as he, I can't, was it under 23s or under 21? I can't remember exactly. But he knows those players. He knows what they're capable of. Now, is he not transmitting that to Roy and Ray? Or will he actually use that himself? The other thing I've seen mooted in the media is that Steve Cooper might fill the role if he gets out from Forest. He likes young players, um, so there could be that as well. The, the fact is, after Bournemouth on Tuesday, we've got a run of very, very difficult games. And I know there was an article in the Eye, which I've just tried to look at, but they want me to subscribe, just talking about the current position the club's in and about how fans are becoming upset and how we do seem to be a bit dull and how the club are happy that we're continuing in the Premier League and getting the, getting the income that comes with it, but the fans aren't. And I know it's a perennial discussion that we're having, but how long can this go on for, Chris? I mean, my sigh reflects the fact that, as you say, it's a discussion that's been continuing for a long time. There are... Uh, I think fairly well established camps. Um, I don't think it's as simple as it's sometimes portrayed as simply, um, you know, older fans um, who know better, that kind of um, patronising rubbish. I don't want to patronise um, younger and newer fans. I'm a lot younger than a lot of the people who hold views that I happen to share. I'm also older than other people whose views I share. It's just, yeah, so it's not... A, Are you of average age? Eh? Are you of average age? Well... You've got some people older age. than me, some people young. younger than me. For the, for the Palace fan base, it feels to me like I'm young. Um, not in the area that I stand. I'm above average age in the area that I stand at Selhurst, but um, I think I probably am about the median fan, to be honest. I'm 43 years old. Um, it seems to me that there's quite a a large um, smattering of more um, mature uh, people who go to, who actually go to games. That's partly economic as well. Um, and then yeah. there's, there's your younger fans who, um, and again, like I said, I don't want to stereotype here, but um, a lot of them will have um, their first game may have been in the championship or it may have been in the Premier League. I mean, in my lifetime, I think we've only been in those two divisions, either the, the second division or the first division in old money. Um, the key point here is it's not an age thing. It's it's um, an attitudinal thing. And I don't blame people who hold a different view than me. Um, I'm aspirational for this club, the same as um, all of us are, I would hope. 
Um, I'd love to yeah. see us win a cup. I'd love to see us qualify for Europe as um, our deadly rivals have done um, without having seemingly um, dramatically more money uh, invested, uh, although they have invested more money. I believe that's um, an accurate um, point to make. Um, I'd, I'd use the term gambled. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they can put the investment in now because they have reached that that next level. But the original outlay from from a certain Mr. Bloom was a big gamble and it could have ruined the club had it well, not paid off. Yeah. And Bloom is a professional gambler, of course. So um, yeah. that is that is his background. Anyway, I don't really want to harp on about um, you know that club um, or indeed any other club. I want to talk about us. Um, and I think the... I understand the frustration. Um, I've already said that I don't hugely enjoy games every week when I go to them. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that the atmosphere is what it is at Selhurst and the fact that I see um, mostly friends, I was going to say friends and family, but um, you know, it's mostly friends that uh, attend games uh, at the same time as me and who I see before and after. If it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have the same magic. I'm not saying I'd give up my season ticket. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very important part of my life. But I don't fit, I don't get the fun out of what we see on the pitch. And if we're not going to be pushing to win a cup, if we're not going to be achieving, you know, moving to that next level, as um, is frequently talked about at the moment, I understand why people get jaded. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's there's not there's not a right or wrong answer. Um, and I think there's been yeah, I think everyone needs to calm down and not certainly not be angry with each other for having valid opinions. Um, yes. That's, that's probably my, my key message here is, you know, let's, let's be, be kind and remember we're, we're all Palace fans and we all support the club and want the best for it. What I found annoying in a way was I, I mentioned the, uh, match report pod with, uh, Chris Hambling and Cara, um, was I, I listened to it and it could have been for any game over the last three seasons, you could have just changed a team name and it would be the same old thing. Moaning about the same lineup selected by Roy, moaning about not trying to take games to supposedly weaker opposition in inverted commas. I mean, there is, there are no easy games in the Premier League, just to, just to chuck a cliche in there. Um, you, you're talking about the difference in ageing people and, and their outlook. Um, us older fans, myself and Patrick, were brought up on a Palace team with players coming through and youth team of the 80s. Um, I'm not sure if we mentioned Terry Venables last week or I can't even remember when it was in past, but, um, you know, he, he gave a really exciting time of Palace football. I watched, um, on YouTube, the FA Cup quarterfinal away to Sutherland at Roker Park. We were in the third division. We had exciting players going forward. Uh, Malcolm Allison was in the director's box, but we saw Terry Venables, or Telly Vegetables, as he was called in Billy the Fish in Viz, um, congratulating the players. And he kind of came through and learnt from Malcolm Allison. And again, we can go back to the Paddy McCarthy um, being a protege of Roy, almost. Um, but the younger fans have more expectation, particularly if they've only seen us play in the Premier League, and they do want the success. And you mentioned the uh, economic thing. Younger fans are being priced out. But what we've got to remember is if we do go into the championship, God forbid, we haven't got the cap on away prices. You know, we're seeing away fans being charged 50 quid to go and see their team at somewhere like Preston or whatever. Um, so they'll be priced out a little bit. But then again, you'd, you'd have the um, the schemes that give uh, season ticket holders a chance to invite friends for nothing for a couple of games a season, which, which was always good. I got a few people actually into Palace that way. Um, it's very, very tricky, but we, we just don't seem to be moving forward and we've been saying it for three or four years i think we've touched on this enough because we we all know what what this is and we've, we've spoken about it too often and the fact we've spoken about it too often is galling let's look forward to west ham if we can do um i've just been looking at 
um, the players and how they've done. Let's see if I can find the right page here. Um, West Ham fans are mixed looking at their forms about how they're going to do. Um, lots of people think they're going to thrash us. Um, betting sites are saying there are always quite a few goals in the games that we play against them. Um, should we be looking forward to this game or should we be thinking, oh, God, here we go again? I mean, what can we do? We've got no Ezra. Fortunately, it's not too bad an injury. It's only going to be three or four weeks. And to be fair, if we think we're not going to have a chance of beating this, the teams in this run of games that we've got, then it's best to be out for those games and the games we can possibly win. Just go, go back to Luke. Was that rugby tackle on him? Did that cause the injury? Teresa, do you think? Because that was right in front of the away fans. Or is he back too soon? Well, he seemed to be in reasonably good health. I'd say I'd blame it on the tackle, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. And to be honest, it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, the, the, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's true of all analysis to, to some extent. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's we're going back to the classic, you know, does a player need more protection? Um are players being overworked? Because, you know, I mean, the fact we saw a number of injuries for our team, again, people have compared that with other clubs, but actually I think you're seeing it happen with um, other clubs as well, um, you know, freak and serious injuries. So we we possibly need to look at whether we're training in the right way, um, whether we've introduced SAT fast, but I'm, I'm not sure that that is the case. I think it's just one of those injuries that happens. It's a contact sport and... You know, unless that's changed, which it, I don't think it's going to, despite this Simbin thing that we probably need to talk about as well. Um, it, yeah. I mean, what did you think? It was it was hard to see on the telly. I was only asking you because it was kind of right in front of where the away fans were. It it was a shocking shocking decision not to give a foul or even a booking because that was definite. Definitely, well, it was deliberate. It was deliberate and it was cynical, and. Yeah, and it, the the injury seemed to come out of nowhere after that, though, you know, because as they got up and he had a little bit of a limp, but then went on. Um, I don't know. Let's get back to West Ham. I'm just looking at how the both sets of players are doing in this scoring. Now, out of the two teams, the top scorer for both teams is Jared Bowen, who's got eight in 12 appearances. Then we go down to Edward, who's got five. Uh, then Thomas Salchek has got four. Then Ezra, two. Paqueta, two. Uh, DL's favourite player, Ward Prowse, has got a couple. Anderson's got two. How much does it say that our third top scorer is a defender? Well, that's been the case in the past as well. Ever since we came up to the Premier League, people like Scott Dan uh, contributed a lot with his head. Um, yeah. You know, so... I'd, I'm not that worried about that, especially as we do tend to play with one striker. Um, and yeah, Edward does seem to have emerged as um, the favoured option rather than Mateta. So naturally, our, our top scorer is going to be a striker. Um, and at that stage, or at least generally would be, and then you'll be looking further back through the team to see who's going to contribute. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't bother me that much, but obviously we want to see more goals. But I don't think we're abnormal in our goals for versus other teams. I mean, it's pro, it's a bottom half record, it's fair to say. We almost exactly reflect where we are in the table. Um, Forest and Bournemouth have scored more than us. We've got we've got 13 goals this season in the Premier League. Um, Forest have got 16, Bournemouth 14. Um, even Everton have got 14. I suppose they're artificially low because they're, yeah. um, they've been dropped by 10 points. But then the teams above us haven't got overwhelmingly more. Wolves have got 18, Brentford 19, Chelsea, West Ham, so 22 and 23. Um, I'm yeah. um Brighton have got 28. Um, and then again, showing that, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, it can be an outlier. Man U have only got 16 goals this season um, and are in sixth place. So it's, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny stat. Um, and I don't think we should. Oh, it was a funny old game then. Just yeah, there. I nearly said that, and then I realised what a cliche that was, so I stopped myself. And Jimmy Greaves did play for West Ham for a while, didn't he? <laughs> so, for my time, so, he's always a TV presenter to me. 
Yeah, well, a lot of them are. It's, I, I never <laughs> knew that uh, Jimmy Hill used to be a manager. Yeah, before he was on the telly. Um, yeah, it's it's just a bit worrying that there are there's a couple of players who've scored more goals than Palace. Yeah, which is uh, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. We're still doing well on the clean sheets, though. You know, we're still pretty high on that. Um, looking at our lineup now, we've got Ezra out, we've got Decora out. Which is weird because neither of them are, are appearing on the injury website that I've looked at, but it's obvious that they're going to be. Now, ordinarily, you'd say that you'd get, or Roy would get Hughes in for Ezra, but Hughes is going to be in for Decore, surely. So, what what's going to be the midfield setup? Do you think? Do you think we're going to see a Hamada in there, <coughs> or do we see France actually getting a chance? Um, do we see setting up slightly differently? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I well, mean, if you think about it, we've got Ayu, we've got Schlupp, we've got Elise, we've got Edouard who can play out on the wing, but then who do you put up front in the centre with, you know, is Mateta kind of blocked off form a bit? We seem better at attacking when we've had both Edouard and Mateta on the pitch. I can't remember what the games was, but they did seem to have a really, really good understanding. Should it be that one plays just behind the other? Sorry, there's lots of different options there, Chris, that I've asked you to, to consider. Which which do you think is the one that, that will unlock the hammers? One of those. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> on, <laughs> on a serious note, I mean, I suspect, I mean, Roy is a creature of habit, as we've said many, many times before. So I suspect that what we're going to get is effectively um, 4-5-1 or 4-3-3, if you want to call it that. I think it's more like 4-5-1. So I think we're going to get something more like that. Um, I think he'll keep Edouard up top and not um, shuffle him out left. I can see him moving up into the middle, Um, although he hasn't been all that, effective in recent games when he has done that. Although I think, as as I recall, I think, was it against Everton where he actually had a good performance in that role? Um, Yeah. So I think maybe he does that. But then who do you put out left? I mean, I can't see him gambling on France. I'd quite like to, I'd love to say, oh yeah, that, and I don't even know if that's the thing to do. Let's be be clear. Um, We don't see what he does in um, training. Uh, some people have been quite damning of what they've seen when he's been um, playing in the youth games. I've, I've not watched those youth games, so I'm not going to say that they're right or they're wrong um, with their observations because I, I haven't seen, so it's not fair for me to comment. But it would be exciting to see him get some game time for sure. Um, have we got anyone else who can play that left position? So logically, I think you end up probably with... I mean, I've already. I think I've already said that I, I see Schlupp moving into midfield. But the more I'd, I've talked myself out of that, I think he'll be on the left as normal. Um, Hughes um, will probably be central, but I, I, I can see Ahamada getting a chance. Although I don't think he, um, I don't think he covered himself in glory. I don't think he did terribly in the Luton game, but um, I don't think we looked particularly promising. You know, while while he was on the pitch, I think players were just completely crushed by the serious injuries to. Um, their colleagues and their friends. So, yeah, that's a long answer to uh, um, and the number of questions you asked. I don't know is what what they what he's going to do, but I suspect it'll be four five one in one form or another. Yeah, I mean, I, while you were going through all the different options that I gave you, 
<laughs> very well as well. Um, I was thinking, well, is it kind of three central defenders with wing backs, um, and actually bring Richards in with Gay and Anderson? But given the confusion between Anderson and Johnson for the for the Luton goal, um, which I'm going to gloss over because it it was really bad, and given both of those players' performances throughout the season, you can you can kind of forgive your mistake here and there. Um, would would wing backs be the option, uh, and perhaps try and strengthen the defence a little bit? Because you know, with I'm looking at who scored West Ham's strengths are counter attacking, set pieces, um, and coming back from losing positions. But one of their weaknesses is protecting a lead. So in in a weird way, we kind of want West Ham to go ahead. Um, they're good at creating scoring chances and nicking the ball back. But if, if we're thinking they're good at counter-attacks, we're going to be in the same trouble as we were against Luton because we've, we've always been seen as the counter-attacking team and kind of beating a press and getting up, up the pitch to score ourselves. Is it going to be one of those games where we're we're too afraid to go forward and try and take the game to another team because that's one of the things with Roy is we don't take the game to the opposition. Although that said, in Roy's games last season, we did do. I'm just really not sure why we're not doing that now. Okay, we've had the injuries. We had Elise and Eze out. Elise showed on on. Saturday that he could be a player that creates something out of nothing the way that Zaha used to. Could we become over-reliant on that? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think we have become over-reliant on Elise and Eze um, and we don't have the depth of options. I mean, that's no great surprise and our players, um, you know, our fan base have been saying that on Twitter for a while. Um, I don't always go to Twitter for my input, but um, I think that very much is a danger. And I, I dare say that we'll see signings made to try and fill that gap to some degree. It feels a little bit like the... I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to hit the panic button just yet, but I think that... And it's not like the Allardyce season where we did have to sign two or three players in January. I don't think we're quite at that stage, but um, we're not quite where we want to be either. So... Um, yeah, I think you're right, over-reliant, for sure. Yeah. The, the other thing on who scored about West Ham style is they like a long ball. So our weakness is conceding goals from attacks from the wings. Um, Ward is going to get caught out here, I fear, as he has been before. Um, is this going to be a female season? Realistically, unless um, there's a miracle and Nathan Ferguson recovers fitness <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, realistically I mean the other option is Nathaniel Klein who is you know in the later stages of his career as well so yeah I, I don't see that um, pace in defence is going to be a strength for us that is going to be a weakness that play that other teams will know to try to exploit for the rest of the season. The other option, of course, that we do have is to play Chris Richards out there. Um, Roy showed no interest in doing that, um, but you know it, it remains an option. And maybe um, a new manager, if there is one, um, and I won't be surprised if there is at some point um, over the next few weeks, given the difficult fixtures we've got coming up, um, a new manager might seek to experiment um, or to plug that gap through a signing in January. With a risk-averse chairman, that's the problem. Um, just just on that, how much blame is at Steve Parrish's feet? Or is the blame more to Hodgson? Or is the blame to be apportioned to the players? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to leave that as a rhetorical question, not for you to answer, Chris, but for homework for our listeners to, to have a little think about. Because, you know, there's, there's so much blame going about on the social media. So we'd both like us to, to go at West Ham. We don't think we will. How are we going to win this game, Chris, other than scoring more goals than the opposition? Can you see us winning this game? 
again, I sigh, and it's because I, I don't look forward to match day anymore. Um, I still retain my optimism. Yes, yes, of course we can win. Um, not in the sense that I think we're, you know, the better team or it's hugely likely, but at the same time, I think in a, a two-horse race, there are three, you know, a, it's, this isn't a race, it's a football match, there are three possible results, isn't there? Either team can win or it can be a draw. Now, it's more likely that West Ham will win than that we win. It's more likely to be a draw than that we win. But that is a possibility. And, you know, we, we there are goals in this team. I mean, Elise's proved that. Um, Edwards proved that over the previous 11 games in the Premier League this season. So, yes, we can score. Um, yeah, Anderson can get up for a corner. Um, so, we can do that. At the same time, we can give away a silly penalty. We can make a mistake in defence, as we um, we saw in the last game. Um, or we could just give away a free kick at an impossible distance and DR's favourite friend, James Ward-Prowse, can um, score a winner. I desperately hope that's not what happens, because um, he's a rat. Uh, so, <laughs> Who, DR? Not DR. I would never say <laughs> um, but um yeah, I'm not a fan of James Ward Prowse, well documented. So um but yes, we can win this game. Now you asked how. Um and it will be through those those slim margins. We will have to keep the game tight. Um we will be counterattacking. Um and I think the reality is that they are pacey and they are good at counterattacking, but the same as we struggle when we meet a team that is willing to give away, you know, seed possession, let the other team have the ball. Um, both of us are going to struggle with this. It's a, it's a clash of counter-attacking teams, um, at which point it requires a moment of rubbish from one of them or one of us, or a moment of brilliance from one of them or one of us. <laughs> and who knows? I, I mean, know what I'm putting my money on. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm probably going to avoid betting this week because um, I always, I, I usually bet with my heart, and I don't think I can do that this week. So yeah, that's that's where we are. I think we can win, but it will require um, us to have a solid game and not make any mistakes, and we haven't been doing that lately. Yeah, that's it. it it's the mistakes, and Roy would blame the players for it. Um, did you see Garth Crook saying that Roy should get a knighthood? Because of his comments after the Luton game. I didn't know. I mean, I, we already call him Sir Roy anyway, don't we? Or at least those of us who like him. Um, so, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm I'm still a fan, even though I'm sometimes frustrated. Um, but yeah. no, that, we'll have to look back look back, back up um, Garth Crook's comments. That sounds hilarious. Yeah. Our first game against West Ham was a one-all draw in the Southern League at home. Do you know what year that was? I don't, but I'm going to go for 1911. 1906. Oh, I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, so you're beginning to, well, you just got to go a bit earlier, haven't you? If it's it's a team that's really good, we'd have played them in the FA Cup in the the first decade of the last century. And if it's a a team around us. Now, out of the, I think it's 66 games we've played against them, uh, we've won 18, we've drawn 23. And we've lost 25. Now, the last couple of visits to the Olympic Stadium or the London Stadium or whatever it is we want to call it, we haven't done too badly. Um, We beat them 2-1 in November 2022. Um, And in August 2021, we drew to all with them. I think both games involved late goals. I mean, the, the win last year, I think it was Elise got the winner, wasn't it, in the last minute? Um, And it was kind of against the run of play. West Ham are getting a bit more used to to playing in that stadium, I think. Uh, I was looking at their forums earlier, and they they were talking about um, one of the old managers in the last season at the uh, bowling ground. Um, Why do they call it the bowling ground? When I was taught in history that Henry VIII married Anne Boleyn, I've never been able to work that one out. It's either Berlin or Bowling. Uh, well, have all the history asked, teachers got it wrong? Um, at the time, the surname was actually spelt B-U-L-L-E-N at times as well. So there are various, um, which is more like Bullen, 
Um, yeah. So, and I mean, Shakespeare spelt his name with an X and a P um, as well as, and with extra E's and without A's and all sorts of variants. Spelling in that era was a completely different thing. Um, so, but I guess that um, phonetic pronunciation is something that's more familiar in East London. You live and learn on, on the back of the net preview podcast. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Um, so that's how we've done so far. I'm going to put a spanner in the works now and tell you that Michael Oliver is the referee, Chris. Let's just have a free word reaction to Michael Oliver other than, oh, fucking hell. Um, yeah. Mr. Red Card. Um, now, we have over the seasons, hang on, let's have a look at here, results. Results, results, results. Um, over his time, um, he's had a 45% home win in the games that he has refereed. He has refereed Crystal Palace 31 times. Okay. Mm-hmm. 58% of those have been a defeat for Crystal Palace. Um, only 9.7%, 10%. I'd imagine that's three games have resulted in a draw and 10 games for Palace have resulted in a win. If you looked at Um, average overall, is it, in terms of defeats, is it higher or lower than 58? Well, as in... Just all our games ever in the Prem or since we came up in 2013. I suspect it's going to be lower and that Oliver is dragging it down. Yeah. Oliver drags the world down, doesn't he? Um, for West Ham, they've only won 22% of their games in the 36 games he's refed, and they've lost 58% of their games with only 19% being a draw. So everybody hates him. I mean, if you look at the teams who've got a higher percentage of wins when he's playing, um, let's just click this. Oh, now it's done there. Now it's gone into uh, things like Real Betis. Okay, Man City are up there. Um, Man City are up there. Liverpool have won forty-eight percent of the games he's refed. Chelsea have won forty-eight percent of the games. Interestingly, Leicester have won f- over fifty percent of the games he's refed for themselves. Southampton. So that kind of puts my big six bias out there. And of course, there's not taking into consideration that they're big six because they're good. Yeah. <laughs> that That's doesn't really point. work there. Those, but those two things cover it largely is a mixture of they're good teams. So they win more of their games overall. The interesting stat, it would be overall win percentage versus win percentage with that particular referee. And if you can see that there's a, there's n- not a correlation, then that would be interesting. Or if there is a correlation in terms of the greater percentage of defeats. So maybe that's a piece of homework for us for future games is to um, expand our data pool. We only need to do that once to get the overall um, stats. We really are educated today. We're teaching people about stats. Yeah. Who needs needs Pat's stats when it's your, um, you're the statistician here? Just looking at this season, um, we've got a 31% win. Um, I haven't got the, um, the thing here for, for overall, but yeah, that, that's some homework for us to do. Yeah. Um, you wanted to talk about VAR and sin bins. Now I've seen this week that they're going to be having VAR for free kicks, for throw-ins and for corners. Danny Baker tweeted this week, I told you that VAR was worse than Brexit. Now, ignoring <laughs> the Brexit thing. Um, I've been against it ever since, and I was listening to um, former uh, former preview pod host uh, Terence's pod uh, after the Everton game, and uh, his guest, I can't remember who he had on, um, was saying that the the difference between the errors is about 4%, which is marginal without VAR and with VAR. Adding these extra things in 
if you're looking at an average of two minutes, we're already seeing, okay, there were injuries on Saturday, so that's why there was 12 minutes added on. But given that VAR is adding on so much time, it's bad enough midweek away games trying to get the last train home as it is. Oh, we're going to have to start matches earlier to get all this in? What what what's it doing to the football product? Do you think is it is it cheapening it? Is it is it making it worse for viewers? I know it's making it worse for people in the ground because even if you score a nailed on goal where you can't see anything wrong with it, you've still got that doubt in the back of your mind. And although you do get those moments where a team might score against your team and it's chalked off, which gives a bit of relief. Is it actually worth it? Well, I mean, this is, this is a, obviously a continuing debate once again. Um, I was always a fan of the concept of VAR, if it was done right. Um, I think lived experience so far suggests it absolutely hasn't been done right. And what they're proposing now is to make things worse, which I, I just, yeah, the, I mean, the concept of a sin bin, I get how you work it. I'm not so sure, um, you know, but I'm not completely against that. It sometimes seems to me that, you know, the step from, um, you know, a second yellow to, you know, oh, well, then you've got to send him off. You know, it ruins the game. It causes teams to lose games. I mean, obviously, it changes. It can change di- direction the other way. That um, you know, the team that's got eleven against ten sometimes struggles perversely, but it ruins games when there's unnecessary sendings off, and sometimes that does happen, especially when it's a small team playing a big team. So um, sometimes grotesque injustices happen, and I understand the desire to correct it with free yep. kicks, with throw-ins. As you say, it's going to elongate the game. Um, it's going to mean people, you know, ending up in reality if they're stood there for that long, potentially having to um, pop out and have a jimmy, maybe miss something important um, as a result of these stupid, unnecessary delays. Might be all right for the fan at home um, if they, you know, it gives them a chance to go to the fridge and get another beer or make a cup of tea. But um, it adds a lot of stress as well extends the game it creates massive difficulties you've already said with um the logistics of getting to and from games um i understand the other thing is um and this this came in following the world cup the the um, requirement to keep the ball in the pitch more than you know so there's so much time lost with throw-ins and so on but this is a solution to a non-existent problem you know throw-ins being given to the wrong team etc it's it's so marginal sod that let's not do that Exactly. And finally, before we get on to predictions, um, Sinbin, what do you make of that? Well, I'm not wholly against it. I think, Like I said, I think that, you know, a, a red card can be a, um, an excessive punishment for a second yellow in particular. Um, and it might mean that egregious fouls um, deserve, that deserve a straight red get it and there's less of this oh, well, we won't even book them. We'll give them the sim bin because they have clearly done a certain, committed a second offence, but it's not a red. I get that. I think that that could work, but it, it's going to need codifying and trialling and all the rest of it. And it sounds like it has been trialled at lower levels and it's going to roll up. So I just hope they get it right. They don't have good form on this stuff. Exactly right. So what's your prediction for the game? I never predict us to lose. Um, I think we will concede. I think we'll equalise. I'm going to go with one all. Um, but I hope I'm wrong and I hope we win. What, what about you? Yeah, I was going to go for the draw. I'll go for two all. Um, I've been the last two times. We've also always seemed to have, you know, managed to pull up a result against them. Um, hopefully it will carry on because um, I, I don't like West Ham much. Just I've their fans are a bit obnoxious to be and and entitled, uh, particularly um, mainly because of the way they were when we played them in the playoff final in Cardiff all those years ago. The, their sense of entitlement of, of expecting to win the game when uh, uh, White Van Man Shipley scored the uh, 
scored, scored the winner there. I <laughs> <laughs> really can't think. So look, we've gone on far too long. Um, God knows how we'd be here for another three days if Patrick was with us. Um, I will say thanks for everybody that's got in touch. Once again, thanks to all those who got in touch with me after uh, last week's procedure. It really means a lot. Um, we will be with you later next week simply because uh, we record on a Wednesday. We're playing Bournemouth next Wednesday. I won't actually be at that game because I'm going to see Billy Bragg. Um, so, Chris, I'm relying on you because we're going to have to kind of review that game afterwards. I'm hoping that I get time to watch it on Amazon Prime on Thursday before we record on Thursday morning. Um, catch up with all the latest news from DR on our YouTube channel. Um, we're on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all the usual places. Um, Chris and Cara will be doing a match report after the West Ham game. And I'll see if I can badger them into previewing what I would say is a must-win game against Bournemouth um, next Wednesday. Thanks very much for listening, for interacting, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Up the Palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.